You're listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast that supports parents of children with disabilities by sharing the stories of individuals who have grown up with disabilities and the organizations available to help parents along the way. Have you ever wondered what it's like to have your eyes dancing all the time? In today's episode, Frankie Caputo, the creator of the Dancing Eyes podcast, shares his story of growing up with congenital nystagmus and how it led him to create the podcast and meet people from all around the world who live with nystagmus. And now, here's Tonya's interview with Frankie. Our guest today is Frankie Caputo, and um, and I've contacted Frankie because he has a special story that I want him to share with you, and we have some similarities in what we're doing. But we'll, before we get into that, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, my name's Frankie Caputo. I'm 21, and I was born with congenital nystagmus. So you know what nystagmus is. I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners know what it is, but if you don't, it's... Uh, you have little control over your eyes so they can move around and they can either go left to right or up to down mine go left to right so yeah i struggled a lot as a child with that and i'm sure we're going to get into that and i've always wanted there to i always was looking online for someone who i could relate to and someone who i could talk to about it and there really wasn't much and if you know you go in the nystagmus communities or nystagmus i got somebody emailed me and said why do you keep calling it nystagmus it's isn't it like why do you say it like that so anyway um i would always look for kids my age so like teenagers or people entering college and there wasn't many of them most of the communities were parents and they were confused and they were worried and they didn't know how to approach the condition so I figured I wanted to see a podcast, so I made a podcast about it. And I've never met anybody with it before. So that through the podcast, that's the only way I've ever met somebody with nystagmus before. So th- cool. there's a little bit about me. Cool. I appreciate that. So you started talking about nystagmus. Let's go ahead and dig into that a little bit. So you talked about the uncontrollable movement of the eyes. Um, does it, for you personally, does it come with any other vision issues? Yeah, well, so I have below average vision. I'm definitely visually impaired. I I think my corrected vision is 2050 in the right eye and 2070 in the left eye, which isn't too bad because I've seen a lot worse than that, but I've also seen better than that, which I might want to talk about later. But uh, yeah, so my vision's not so good. So did you wear glasses when you were younger? Oh, all the way since maybe I was like two I was super young. Are you yeah. wearing contacts now then? I had LASIK. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. it was like, cause I don't see any glasses on your eyes right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing right now, <laughs> but I did wear, gla- I, I wore glasses up until I was about to turn 20. So I got LASIK probably about around 10 months ago. Okay. So with the LASIK, so your vision is still the 2050, 2070 with the LASIK too. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm under the impression, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like my vision was slightly better with the glasses or even slightly better Im- immediately following the procedure. And I I feel as if they, my vision has gone down a little bit, not dramatically, but I feel like it's gone down a little bit. So I might move that number up to 2060 to 2080 range, but I haven't gotten it tested yet. So we'll see. Do, do Are you open to wearing glasses with the correction if, if if that would help it depends 
what the difference is. So if the gla- if wearing the glasses is the difference between me driving and me not driving, yeah, I'll wear the glasses. But I live my everyday life pretty comfortably without the glasses. Right. It's I I went a time where I was wearing contacts and it was nice. It was it's very liberating to not have to worry about the glasses. But for me, the um, just because of some other issues going on, the contacts became too hard to wear, and I had to go back to the glasses again. But um, I I don't like having the dust on my glasses all the time and having to yeah, to try to. That's annoying. And 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 even just the light coming in in different ways can affect the this because I'm I'm very photophobic, so trying to to keep from getting the bright light out of my eyes and all the glasses seem to make it even worse. So I I can understand not wanting to go back if you don't have to. Yeah, I wasn't, I never really had an issue with wearing glasses, but I feel like aesthetically, I mean, this is just like, I, I would rather not wear glasses. Um, and I tried contacts when I was younger and I, they would give me the hard lenses. They would give me glass permeable lenses. So these yeah. are these small little hard lenses. So most contacts can, can bend and fold in any which direction. And these are glass. You can't bend these or else you're going to snap them. And they were very uncomfortable for me. So I wore them a few times and I opted out of it. And f- fun little story, I even went to sleepaway camp when I was when I was 12. And I, I brought the contacts with me and I also brought the glasses with me. And my intention was to wear the contacts every day. And I ended up never wearing the contacts. And I also opted out of wearing the glasses too. Oh, really? So I, was, <laughs> so I didn't wear contacts or glasses. And I, so I was probably walking around for two and a half weeks at the sleepaway camp with 2200 vision right just, yeah so I, I figured it out <laughs> yeah i figured it out have they ever told you why why you have nystagmus no ha- have your parents told you anything about like when they first noticed it i don't think that i've asked i know i know that as long as my mom knew about it. She was always trying to help and she was always trying to find a solution or ways to, to help me out. But I don't recall. I, she probably did tell me, I probably don't remember, but I'm sure I don't remember her telling me when she first noticed it. No. How old were you when you got your first glasses? Probably two. Okay. So, so it was, it was early then. For, oh yeah. For her to have had... I was definitely the first kid in my class, in my uh, classes with glasses. Say that right. five times. <laughs> Not easy. We found um, that there's a there's a lot of parents who don't ask any questions about vision for their children because they just assume that their infant and their toddler are fine. But there's a lot of eye issues that can be corrected early if they catch it early. And um, the magic number that the doctors told us when our kids were young was between three and five. If they can if they can find what the issue is, especially if it's a, a muscle issue with the eye where you'll see kids having like a patching program where they're trying to strengthen one eye and the other eyes weaker. Yeah. If they can catch that when they're, by the time they're age three, they can usually strengthen that other eye so that both eyes develop the same. Um, with nystagmus, that's not going to make a difference with that. I don't, I don't believe. But, um, but what is it, what is it when one eye turns? Is that strabismus? I think. I think so. Yeah. So those things. So, so kudos to your mom for catching it and getting you to a doctor early instead of waiting until you were in oh, school. Oh, she's great. Yeah. So <laughs> my, moms are all, all, always need, need a cheer. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you're doing great too, I'm sure. I, mean, I based appreciate off that. Of, based off of previous episodes that I've listened to, it seems like you're on the same boat as my mom. 
Well, you know, it's, it's one of those things and a lot of our listeners are going to be those moms and dads that they're worried about their kids and they're, they're tuning in here because they want to find some answers and they, they want to, well, if you're a parent and you're listening to this podcast, you're doing a good job already. <laughs> there you so. go. We will, we will, we will give, give all, all the moms and dads a pat on the back right now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always, always willing to cheer on the next person with that. And, um, so yeah, so, so this is, this is interesting. So, so you were the first one to wear glasses when you were like, kindergarten into elementary school did you did you have any trouble with the other kids making fun of you or anything like that for wearing the glasses no not that i recall that was too soon for kids to start bullying they don't really when you're in kindergarten i don't think they really care they just want to have fun that that, that didn't happen until probably late middle school early high school so so there was then. some of it later oh yeah oh yeah do you mind sharing that. any of that Oh yeah, I'll talk about all that stuff, all that fun, <laughs> all that juicy stuff. <laughs> so you don't even like when you have a condition like this. If nobody tells you that there's something wrong with your eyes, you might not even know it. So for for me, I didn't really know. I knew that there was something wrong with them, and I knew that I, I had a condition called nystagmus, but. I never knew how I looked, right? Because if you look in the mirror with nystagmus, you look like you look just like anybody else. There's not really like aesthetically, you look, you look the same. Um, but then I would see myself in photos, and then I would see myself with a with a head tilt because I had a really bad null point, which I, I still have one, but it's not as bad. Uh, so I'd see myself in photos, and then I would be like, "Why am I looking over there? Why is my head like that?" Or I'd be taking school photos, and they would say, "Look at the camera." And oh. I'm always like, I'm staring at it, man. How yeah. much closer? I would get yelled at. I've gotten yelled at by like a couple people. Like they would say it three or four times. Look at the camera. And uh, as like a 10 year old, I don't really know how to respond to that. Like, it's like, I'm not going to change. Yeah. I'm not going to change how I'm looking. I'm going to do that the same. But um, yeah, bullying back to that middle school. Elementary school wasn't so bad. Middle school wasn't so bad. It really didn't happen until high school. Wow. Uh, freshman, freshman, sophomore year. And it doesn't take a lot for you to be hurt. You know, it doesn't take a lot. You could have a positive interaction with 99% of everybody around you, but all it takes is that 1% to really get you thinking at night and really like get you self-conscious about yourself. And I think that was the case with me. I think I had a generally positive experience with most people around me and there was just a few a few handful of people that were brutal like it was all they would talk about and especially it was also even one of those things where if it was just me and them they wouldn't be so bad but if there were people around them like people that they could uh make laugh oh they would they would like no holds barred for sure like really bad stuff um for example um you know i would I would be walking up to a group of friends and then one of them would be like, Hey Frankie, what's up, man? Like oh. just look completely across from me. I'm like, why? And everybody would laugh. And then I would be confused. I would say, why is that funny? Cause I don't, under I don't understand. Like, is that how I look? Do I look like I'm facing the complete opposite direction? <laughs> I was like, I didn't know it was that bad. I, I knew that they shook, but I didn't know that. It, like, I didn't know that it's, I'm not looking at you. So I, that led me, um, I wouldn't say I was, depressed but i was extremely self-conscious and that um made that gave me trust issues because i would be mm. i would be
be fine with somebody if we're in the same room but then i find out that they're talking like they're making fun about me behind my back so trust issues and then it makes forming relationships a bit more difficult because of the trust issues and um like women that wasn't so easy just because uh you know you're talking to people and all, all these people are talking about how weird you look and then you're like okay well i'm not attractive i'm not even gonna attempt with that because why would i like why would anybody be attracted to somebody who looks like they're they're looking 90 degrees from where you are so um high school wasn't so easy i dealt with a lot of that stuff um I'd say that the bullying slowed down though for my junior year. It wasn't, I, I started to kind of figure out who was my friend, like who my yeah. friends were and who weren't my friends. And I just stayed away from the people who weren't my friends. And funny enough, the main guy, the, the main bully. So there was, there was like one guy and then there was a group of his friends. The one guy reached out to me a few months ago and he apologized. He, wow. He, yeah. And we oddly enough i was almost expecting the apology from him um i had figured that if anybody was going to apologize to me it was this guy i don't know why but i just had that feeling and i hadn't spoken to him in years and then i got a message from him and i was like i bet this is the apology like, I bet that's this great <laughs> yeah and and that was it so so he was making fun of me at probably like 15 16 so we're 21 now so a handful of years later and he apologized and that's just that's just something that's gonna happen when you're in high school and middle school like you're gonna get bullied whether it's a nystagmus or like you're, you're short or there's something else like people yeah. are always gonna find something so i think it adds character wait i was yeah. i was gonna say that i mean you you were fortunate that it was not until high school because usually it starts middle school when kids are starting to be aware of differences that mm -hmm. and they're kind of venturing out on their own beyond just their parents guidance and um and then you get into that insecure stage of life where nobody really feels confident and so some of them unfortunately choose to use the bullying side of it as their way to to kind of pull themselves away so that they can feel better because if they can make you feel bad then then they're 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 going to look better 100 percent and yes me not dealing with that in middle school is like, I, like me getting the bullying in high school is definitely later than a lot of the people that i've spoken to and a, a large reason for that is because uh, middle school starts in sixth grade so i was i was homeschooled i did virtual school in eighth grade so that whole year so that that's one whole year that i can't even get bullied from people right. just because i'm not i'm not even seeing them <laughs> Um, and another thing is I went to a K through 12 school. So when I was in sixth grade, I had known these people for six years already. Like these aren't new right. people. These are people who know like what I'm about already. They already know about my eye condition. There's nothing new to these, to these guys. So th they already know who I am. It's like, there's no reason for all that. And in my, in seventh grade, I switched schools halfway through the year. So I was only at my new school for about five months. So there really wasn't, I didn't even know anybody. I didn't, okay. I was in a new school. I didn't really talk to too many people. I had a small group of friends who I spoke to and I got along with them. And other than that, I didn't talk to anybody. So I really, yeah, I really didn't deal with so much bullying until, until freshman year. That's when it happened. So I'm just curious um, because sim similar to, to my son and 
my daughter in partway, um, for one year, um, he was at an online school as well. What, what caused that decision to be made? I didn't like school. <laughs> it, it's pretty okay. simple. It, it wasn't, Fair enough. it's not like, it's not like I was getting bullied so bad and then I wanted to leave. It was really just, I didn't like school and I would rather do it online. So, and so it, it was your, your, your choice to make the change then. It was my choice. Yeah. Okay. And then I convinced my mom. So yeah. And my sister did it too. My sister actually kind of started it. I was going to go back to, to regular school and my sister wanted to do online school and then she kind of convinced me to do it. So that, that, that's how that went down. There's pros and cons to being bullied. I'm, I'm not yeah. a proponent. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not encouraging bullying, but I'm Thank also you. not going to, yeah, I'm not going to encourage bullying, but I, I will say that me being bullied formed me into who I am today. And if yeah. I had the choice to remove the bullying from my life, I wouldn't remove it. I would keep it in there. Well, you don't bully you, people. Yeah. <laughs> That's say, not what I'm saying. Because you've come through that, it's affected who you are today. Yeah. And, um, and you probably have some skills and strengths that you built because of the unfortunate situation they had to go through it. But it, it sounds as if you come out stronger than you went into it, which, which was a, a good thing. I'd say so. I'd say so. But, um, and did I'm, that, did I'm that help your son? I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll listen to, to his episode. <laughs> yeah. You have curious. to listen to his now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If I tell I'll you that answer, then, then you, then you won't, you won't listen to his. <laughs> Fair enough. Of course, by the time this airs, his will have already played. So that'll be out. But I'm not so going to go, have you listeners go back to episodes to four stories. and five, <laughs> and you can hear the story. <laughs> Timing well, on interviews. Parent, as a parent, how do you feel when your son comes home from class and he's telling you that his teachers are making fun of him? Well, he will tell you that the um, that I was I was at fault because I would support the teachers that um, I, I was a, a teacher, I'm, I'm, my background, I have a, a bachelor of science in education, um, but I never had my own classroom. I, I did long-term subbing. I, um, we, we moved around in different, in, in different times than the kids were born and I wanted to be home to be able to help support them. And then we found that they both had different needs where they needed extra support. So I became more their tutor during that time. And I would do like volunteer enrichment classes in the schools and all, but so I have the educational background, the training, and I've been in the schools involved a lot, but I always felt like, you know, well, I always felt that the teachers were trained. They should know what they're doing. They're there to encourage their, they're there to teach the kids. Okay. So yes, I was wearing rose colored glasses, but, but, but in all honesty, I felt like they really, um, there must've been something that could have been done differently. And it wasn't until seventh grade that Christopher and I sat down and he said, you know, I need you to back me up. I, I need you to, no matter what happens, I need to know that you're on my side. And, um, and it was tough, but, but I agreed with him that, you know, from this point forward, I will defend you as long as what you're doing is not in the wrong. So do and, you confront the teachers? So we did. And, um, and the administration and, uh, many, many different paths we took on this. And actually in his interview, we don't go deep on this. Um, he, he wanted to keep it so that it wasn't too, too, 
too harsh on the schools and I give him a lot of credit for that. But, um, but he was totally misunderstood and, and part of it is he has invisible disabilities. So you're going to look at him and you're not going to understand that there's a lot going on that you can't see. And, um, and so those misunderstandings are what were happening. So, yeah. so we were, we won that. We, we got, we got a little bit off tra target there. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> this is, this is why I actually like doing the podcast. Cause, cause I'm, I'm a talker in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> and so, so well, I, it's, it's, it's nice to be on someone else's podcast. Yeah. I've never <laughs> yeah. been on somebody else's podcast. So is they're coming on my podcast. So right. this is new for me. Um, thinking about elementary school, did you have any accommodations in school? Okay, here's something. So I went to a private school for the first years of my life. So when I was in the K through 12 school, before I switched, I was in a private school and there would just be whiteboards and I couldn't see the whiteboards and you can't zoom in on a whiteboard because it's a whiteboard, right. it's not an iPad. <laughs> so my mom spoke to the school and they literally, I, I think like my mom tells me I'm the reason that they did this and they, they took projectors and then they would put projectors where the whiteboards were and then the the teacher would, you know, have the computer on the side of the room and then the computer would be connected to the projector. And then instead of using the whiteboard, they would use the projector and so that was my accommodation. And I guess the school okay. really liked it and they just moved it into all the classes. So so because of that, they put that thing into all the classes and the teachers liked it, everybody liked it, so. So so that accommodation was there. So being at a private school, did you have a 504 plan or an IEP or anything? Probably. Uh, I, don't, I don't recall really getting too many accommodations. I, okay. I kind of went through uh, my teachers knew that I had a condition. They might not have understood it, but I know like before every school year started, my parents would have a conversation with them and just tell them the deal. Right. Um, so they were all aware and they would always ask me, at least the, like the better ones, they would ask me if I needed help with anything. And the answer was usually no. I never needed any more time on a test. It was offered to me, but I never needed that. Um, yeah, honestly, that's one of the things I can't relate to a lot of my guests about are the accommodations, because I don't think that I ever really needed them. I did sit at the front of a classroom in every okay. classroom up until high school, I sat in the front and um, th that helped significantly. I was thinking so, with 27 division, you'd have to, cause you wouldn't be able to see from the back of the room. Right. Yeah. So I definitely always sat in the front and I think oftentimes I didn't even see what was happening. I just kind of <laughs> would stay and take notes. And I know for a fact in high school, probably 99% of the time I didn't know what was happening. But as far as accommodations go, there, there really wasn't much there. I had the same textbooks as everybody else. Uh, I was going to ask sometimes, if you use large print. No, sometimes I had a worksheet that was just way too small and i asked them to enlarge it and there would never be an issue there okay uh, oh yeah like those when they take a, a sheet and put two side by side on one piece of paper when they're like microscopic print on those yeah like why are they so small yeah. even well, people even sighted people shouldn't be seeing that yeah <laughs> well much less to write the answers on them because the yeah. space is so small <laughs> yeah 
it's crazy but yeah that wasn't so often yeah not not too many accommodations so looking back on it do you think you would have benefited had you had either a large print um option or anything else or do you, or do you think you had yeah, what you I was needed a, i was a straight a student okay so yeah i never i don't know how much more but that that had a lot to do with the parenting that that's for a different <laughs> kind of that's for a different kind of podcast but uh yeah straight a's so i didn't really have to deal with yeah i don't know the accommodations weren't so much so did you have to spend spend more time doing your work than your peers did no so you were able to keep up with the reading speed yeah well you know if if something if the my perspective i didn't know that i had really like a severe eye condition and I, I don't know if it's severe but i didn't really know that it was something that would be in the way of anything until i met other people in the community and i was a little startled at first to find out that it had affected some of these people so much because to me it's like well if i can't see the book if i can't see the words i'll just put it closer right to my, to my face and if my eyes started shaking i'll look out of my old point and that's all things that happened subconsciously for me like i don't pick my old point i don't pick how close i put the book to my face that's just something that happens and uh so yeah i wouldn't say that i was slower than anybody so um I, d I don't remember now at the beginning if we said anything about this or not, but for those that are listening that don't understand nystagmus, the null point is the point where it either slows down or completely stops the movement of the eyes. And yeah. um, and typically you, you did say that it's, I think, off to the side, as I think you had said earlier. Up and to the left. Kind Up and to the left, like okay. This. Yeah, it so, was more dramatic and I had a null point corrective surgery when I was 13. So that helped a okay. little bit. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So did you ever find a way to feel the nystagmus itself? I feel I feel them moving all the time. I've felt them moving throughout this episode. So they, so you are aware of it? Certainly, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel them moving. It's not that I feel them moving. It's that I see it's my world is shaking side to side. And that's something that I don't hear. For whatever reason, I look at videos online and they'll explain what nystagmus is like. And they'll say, well, if you have nystagmus, um, you might, if you don't have nystagmus, you might think that by having it, your world would be moving side to side and the videos would go on to say that it's actually not the case and you, you get used to it and your world's not actually moving side to side. But with my experience, my, I can definitely experience my world moving side to side. So yeah, now, and, it's and, not all the time, but you know, it, it, it happens. So, um, yeah, so, so you had the surgery. So did that, um, did they adjust the muscle? How did, what did they do for the surgery? I don't know exactly. I, when I was that age, I didn't even really know so much as to what my condition was. I knew that my eyes shook and whenever my, my parents would always tell me, like if somebody asked just to say that I had a loose eye muscle. So I didn't even know what the name of the condition was at that point. Right. Uh, if I were to take a guess, it, they just tightened some things back there i don't know i'm squirmish i i can't look at videos of surgeries and stuff oh, okay like so, yeah. I, I always wondered what they did i i know there is a procedure that can be done for for some but i i always wondered what it was um and and there's different reasons for the nystagmus and so like even, even though my daughter has it the reason that the two of you have it is is not the same and so um so the with with her retinas being so fragile they wouldn't do anything 
to anywhere near her eye to to protect it. So it's it's not a conversation we ever had with the doctors, um, other than to find out that it would not be advised. <laughs> so, but okay. um, but I have I have heard of it. I, so I was just curious. You're the first one that I've met that actually has had the the procedure. Yeah, there's a few different kinds of procedures. That's definitely not the only one. That's just I don't even know the name of the procedure. I just know that I had some type of procedure done on my eyes right. when I was 13. So you so, so you've had that. You've had the LASIK. So you've 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 had a few things done done to your eyes. Yeah. So um, yeah, for, for 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 someone who is who is squeamish about <laughs> about surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the first time around, they they put me to sleep, and I got to. Uh, it was in New York, so I got to stay in New York for a week, which was kind of nice. My mom would bring me matzo ball soup. And, oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> cor- corned beef sandwiches. So that was actually a pretty good time. Other than the pain, the pain wasn't so fun. Yeah. But uh, the and the, the LASIK, um, they sedated me, and that the LASIK wasn't fun. That wasn't fun. <laughs> that was much worse than the first procedure. The LASIK didn't hurt, but it was very uncomfortable. Well, you're awake uh, during that, so I was awake. Yeah, and I, my eyes were red for weeks, like they were severely bruised for weeks, and I have some photos of that too, and they're pretty funky looking. (laughs) Was there any concern about the nystagmus for that surgery? Oh yeah, I've gotten turned down for LASIK before uh, because of the nystagmus. I was put on to this doctor, I think from a woman in the nystagmus Facebook group who had had the procedure done by this guy. Uh, I don't remember his name right now. I can give it to you after the episode. Okay. And it's it's an office in Athens, Georgia, which you're, you're not so far from there. Um, yeah. So I was living in Florida at the time, but my family was living in Georgia. So I flew up here and I didn't know if we were going to be able to go through with the procedure until right when they were doing it. We had, (laughs) I had set out 10 days to come up here and see what was going to happen. So we had the the pre-op and he checked me and he said, well, we've done it on somebody with nystagmus before. I don't know if it's, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it, but I guess we'll find out tomorrow. So they brought, this was on a Wednesday and the procedure was on a Thursday. So they brought me in and they they gave me some pills and they made me feel funny for, (laughs) um, required a lot though. I'll say it it wasn't, it it was like four, but anyway. um, And he started doing it and I was like, are we doing it? He said, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. So yeah. And when he said that the first eye was done, I didn't even know that it, it was it was finished. So he said, on to the second eye. I didn't even. I wow. Like, oh, okay. Nice. Because it's my understanding is that even when you're sedated, the eye's still moving. Yep. And yeah, so. Yeah, they were moving. So they had to, so lots of sedation for sure, which I'm, I'm sure that helped to an extent, but he also had some type of, well, Another thing, when you have LASIK, they hold your eyes open. So they have something that holds your eyes open for okay. you. So I don't have to worry about me blinking. That's not a worry or a concern. Uh, the one thing that he did for me, which I don't think he did for most other patients, was he had to he had an instrument. He held it on my eye, and he had to like push down on my eye to keep it still. Oh. And even with that, they were moving, but he had to push, and he had to he had to apply a lot of pressure too. It wasn't just like 
like that did not feel good and that i'm sure was the the reason why my eyes were so red that's that's what i'm thinking with the bruising and all yeah 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 that definitely bruised them a lot but wow he wouldn't have been able to do the procedure without it so right yeah right so that so there is a possibility of that so if it's something that you know if if a parent has a, a young child right now and they're kind of looking at um you've got the the surgery that helped to decrease some of the nystagmus when you were younger and then the Lasix as well. So, you know, as, as time progresses and the medical world learns more, there there hopefully will be some other options too. As, as some There's of something that, that I'm reading on. about, uh, it's called light therapy. I, I don't wanna go too far into detail because I don't, I don't have much detail, I don't know much, but I've heard some crazy results. I, had, I saw this one story of a guy with congenital nystagmus and correct vision was 2065 and after, um, like a month of this therapy, it went down to 2025. Wow. Which is, which is near perfect. And, yeah. And so I'm trying to get that doctor on my podcast and I'm trying to get the patient on my podcast too, because I really want to pick their brains about that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested in hearing more about that. But I, I also don't want to give off like too much information. I don't want to like recommend anything because I don't know nearly enough about it to to give recommendations. And I'm not going to recommend it anything until I actually do it myself. So right. I can see if it actually works. So, so, may, so maybe the, this, this is a good place for us to remind everyone, this is an entertainment only podcast. <laughs> you use the information however you want, but we're not telling you what to do. <laughs> so you had made reference earlier to driving. Do you drive now? Um, I have a driver's license, but I don't drive. So I, I got the license. Um, January 2021, so I, I was 21. No, I was 20, sorry. That was a little over a year ago. And I got the license and I drove around for a bit and I just wasn't so comfortable driving. I would always question myself. I would say, I, I really think I could see better than this. I don't know if this is, if I don't know if what I'm seeing is good enough for me to feel comfortable driving. Right. Now, if it was just me on the road, I would be totally fine with it. But because there's other people on the road and there's families and there's people who are living their own lives, I don't want to risk anything just because I, I can't see them. But I've never been in an accident and I've probably only driven like 15 times, but I've done highways and stuff. Do you have any restrictions on your license? No. Um, okay. Other no. than glasses or? I don't even think so. I okay, don't, so, I don't so think night they times... too deep with that. So, so night, night driving is okay. Technically, yes, but I wouldn't do it. Okay. Do yeah. they know that nighttime's an issue? <laughs> I don't, they didn't like really ask me questions. So I'm like thinking this. they don't ask that, do they? <laughs> no, no. Um, the person who was giving me my test didn't ask if there was anything wrong with my eyes. They weren't in the car with me. They were standing on the outside while I was in the car. I don't know if that's normal or if that's just because it was during the pandemic. That's interesting. So yeah. I thought that they would be in the car with me, but they weren't. They were standing on the outside and we were on a phone call and they were telling me what to do. Seriously? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this shouldn't be this easy. <laughs> yeah. This is too easy. <laughs> but wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're on a phone call. Don't they say that you shouldn't be talking on the phone when you're driving? <laughs> Uh, not, like, <laughs> unless I'm taking a test, I guess. But you can take a test while you're taking. <laughs> it seems like there's a disconnect here. <laughs> there's a lot of disconnects in society. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
my inability to drive has restricted me in a few aspects of my life, which definitely brings some frustration. I like, I have to ask, you know, my family for rides places when I lived on my own, I would have to Uber and Ubers are expensive. I know cars are expensive, but trust me, Ubers are expensive. And, uh, another thing is I would have my friends drive me because my, let's say like when my family, when I was living in a different state, my friends would drive me places and I couldn't go places unless they were ready. Um, the, the lack of independence was, is still something that I struggle with today. And, um, I'm hoping I can get myself <laughs> a Tesla by the time there I'm like 24, <laughs> I'm trying to get that Tesla. So that that's, that's the biggest goal of mine is the Tesla. So I'm working towards that and, uh, we, I'll we, have that thing drive me. We we've had similar conversations here that, 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 that is the wave of the future. Definitely. Yeah. When there's yeah. any type of impairment, because the problem is, could you take over if the systems needed you to? And I can, I, I, my, my vision's certainly good enough. I'm comfortable that I could do that. But if that thing's going to drive me 90% of the time, I'm totally cool with it. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking just yeah. parking in a parking lot too. It'd be a whole lot easier. It does the parking for you. Like it has a new feature where let's say you're at a Walmart and you're walking up out of the Walmart, you could take out the keys and press a button and the car will drive to you. <laughs> so on a rainy day. <laughs> it will drive without somebody in the car towards you to pick you up in front of the Walmart. So you, you've so got your groceries there in a stormy afternoon and you can stay underneath the shelter while the car comes to get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to talk to Elon Musk about that one day. Yeah. So. It'll happen. I don't know when. It'll happen though. But, so, yeah. um, just a, a couple other questions I had about just just what you see and things. Do bright lights bother you any? Does that seem to change any of your vision acuity for you? Um, well, I'm not a fan of the sun. Yeah, the sun's pretty bright. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, if I'm in a dark restaurant, those are a little annoying. So, actually the opposite in a sense so, so dark environments harder okay and, w and what i mean by that is if i'm in a dark restaurant and i'm and i'm going around talking to people i'm talking to the people that i'm i'm eating with um somehow the lack of light makes me notice the shaking of my environment a lot more so if there's less light and there's only light in certain areas of the room i see everything going side to side and right. it's very difficult to maintain a conversation when your eyes are moving side to side, because not only are your eyes moving side to side, so you have to worry about that and the conversation, but then you're aware that the person who you're interacting with is seeing it too. And right. if they don't know you so well, then, then there's a major elephant in the room and that should be addressed. So, yeah. The, um, do you think in that situation that, it, that the beat of it is just getting faster because of the low light? Um, I've tried to grasp exactly what causes it and it's just come at such random times sometimes that it's hard to figure out because you could say, well, maybe they start to go crazy because you're anxious or maybe they're going crazy yeah. because you're tired or because you're not looking through your null point. Um, or maybe because you're not being present in the conversation and instead you're in your head and for some reason that makes your eyes go crazy. But from my experience, I've been fully present in the conversation, um, very mindful, and I've still had my eyes start to freak out just out of nowhere. Okay. No, 
no cause that I'm aware of, and they, it would start doing that, and that in turn will will take away my um, uh, my focus from the conversation. Yeah, and then I'll I start thinking that. about my eyes, and then and then when you start giving your eyes energy, and then you start giving your shaking eyes energy, and then it's all you're thinking about, and then the conversation's dead at that point. Right. So, yeah. well, if 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 it helps any, now of course I'm speaking as a mom, but when I'm talking to my daughter, I don't notice her nystagmus. It's um, if she says something about it, or if we're in a situation where I know that um, that she's going to be visually really stressing herself a lot, um, then I might see it more, and and I'll say something to her then, um, just to to see if we need to change the environment that we're in. But um, but in a common conversation, and I'm sure your friends are the same way. You know, once once you kind of know what's going on, it's not it's not a big deal. It's just it's just part of who you are. Yeah. And honestly, most people don't stare you straight in the eye when they talk to you anyway. So so they're not well, looking at your eyes. Most people are good with eye contact regardless of like not having yeah. <laughs> a condition. <laughs> and I've heard exactly what you said about your daughter. Um, I've heard that as well with my mom and with my friends. They'll tell me that they don't notice it. And I, I, I get it, you know, because you know me and you just, that's part of who I am. You don't really recognize it, but like, let's say I'm at work or I'm talking to somebody, not everybody's going to know that I have an eye condition or what it is. And right. some people will think that I'm high. I've I've gotten that a lot. I've gotten that a lot. People asking me if I'm high or like, what, what am I on? Yeah. Um, that hasn't happened so much, but I've gotten that um, for sure. And it definitely adds another element of, uh, of learning how to interact with people and because um, to me, there's certainly an elephant in the room if they start going crazy. I just feel like I have to mention it. Like, oh, by the way, I was born with something. I'm not high right now. I was born with it. It's, <laughs> it's not because I took too many drugs when I was in college. It's not because of that. Um, it's it's uh, Here's advice. I, I know that this is mostly for parents, but if anybody, if anybody's a, a kid or a teenager, or if you're a parent and you want to give some advice to your kid who's dealing with something like this, you could... Um, it's it's it can lighten up the mood to joke about it a little bit so th there's a recommendation for me is if you're gonna bring up your eyes you're allowed to joke about it and if, if you start joking about things that you're self-conscious about you're not going to be as self-conscious about them you're going to get over them if you can make fun of yourself then then nobody can make fun of you because you're you're already doing it it's not funny if yeah. you're already doing it um yeah, so but you've kind of kind of kind of take take taken away their thunder if you've done that. Yeah, it's like, dude, I already made that joke. <laughs> I, yeah, I said it before you. That's <laughs> what comedians do. It, comedians were all had pretty terrible childhoods, from what I can tell, and that turned them into comics. And uh, so, yeah, you joke about self-deprecation. I'm not saying do it a lot, but you know, you mix it in here and there, then it it will definitely alleviate some self-consciousness. Well, that, that actually was my next question I was going to have for you, if you had any tips for parents or for kids on that. So, um, so these are, these are perfect timing here. Any, so, any other pointers you want to pass on? For sure. For sure. Um, that's the first one. Another tip. Hmm. Let me think. I'll start with the people with the condition. Another tip, if you have the condition is. I ask my guests this, this question all the time, but I don't really think about my own response. Um, all right, so let's say you're in high school and you, you have nystagmus and you're dealing with bullying, um, like how I was. 
um, a good tip for me is to know that it's because they're insecure with themselves and that their feelings towards your condition is going to change over the next few years. Like, um, and also your feelings about your condition is going to change over the next few years too. Once you start to learn about yourself and once you, you start to experience life a little bit, um, and gain, you know, get to learn about yourself. You actually, people are going to start to realize how cool they are and things that they can offer to the world that have nothing to do with an eye condition that they were born with. And people are going to start to judge you on the things that you've actually accomplished and the person that you are, as opposed to something that you were born with. So, um, there's there's some hope <laughs> right there because my mindset's definitely very different now than it was when I was when I was in high school and that's just because I've done a lot of self growth over the last few years and I think this is around the time where a lot of people will do it around their college years sometime after high school and you know early twenties around there and for for parents for advice for parents um, raise your kids however you want but. I think it's important to not um, tell them that this is going to stop them from doing things because realistically, if you have nystagmus and I know uh, forms of nystagmus vary, um, they're not always the same. Like you can have a lot, you, you can have a lot of shaking and your vision will be really bad or you can have less shaking and your vision won't be so bad. Um, but I think generally you can still do a lot of things with nystagmus that people who don't have it can do. Like I've, I played football, I played basketball, and then everybody got taller than me. So I had to stop with that, <laughs> but I, I'm very good at table tennis. Like I'm wicked good at ping pong. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm really good at it. Um, any sport I could pretty much play it. And I've met other people with nystagmus who do sports as well. I had somebody on my, my podcast who surfs. So um, don't, don't let it stop you. For, don't don't let your children think that nystagmus will stop them from playing any sports. I mean, if they want to play a sport, they can play a sport. So, yeah, don't don't make it a bigger deal than it than it is, really. Um, and be there for them. This is just general advice for anybody. But like, if someone wants to talk, if you know, let the kid talk about it and vent how they're feeling about the condition and bullies and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't have too much parenting advice because I'm not a parent, but, <laughs> but I can kind of take from, I can take from what my mom did. I was going to say, yeah, you, yeah. you, you, you have a mom who did some things right. And yeah. so, um, so speaking from the recipient of what she was doing, right. You're able to give some advice that way. For sure. Yeah. So nice. I, th I, th I think those are, those are, those are some good points that, you know, even if your child doesn't have the same condition, I think those, those pieces are inspirational enough for every parent to go take away and to, to know that, you know, ki kids need to be kids. They need to have experiences like their peers have. And like you're saying, you know, height, height has nothing to do with your eyes. <laughs> so whether you're going to be oh, able to continue also, with that. I don't that. want to interrupt you. I'm sorry, but I got this one thought and I have to, I have to mention yeah. it real quick. Um, don't separate your kids from the other kids either because i i convinced my mom to uh allow me to do virtual school and it was cool and all but you need the other children there to help form who you are you need to have those interactions you, you, 
even if you're getting bullied and i get it like bullying sucks and this isn't for everybody like you can't you there's no universal advice for everybody but um um like i said earlier in the podcast all of my experiences in school made me who i am and they made me grow uh tougher skin and i think it's important for your kids to uh to know that they're not in a sense different than everybody else i mean they can do the same things as everybody else and be treated like everybody else so yeah nice so so keep them out out of a bubble so, yeah don't so put them in a bubble please please because you're you're gonna make a lot of you're gonna make their situation a lot worse when they're when they're in their mid-20s and they don't know how to talk to strangers and they don't know how to introduce themselves or have a relationship true so yeah yeah all right. So speaking about being able to talk and having relationships and all, you've started the Dancing Ice podcast in the last year. Um, less than that, actually. When when did you start it? I made my first episode in in August or late July, and I stopped because I had moved from Florida to Georgia. I stopped for a few months, and I started back up with it in November. So so really counting November then, as far as being yeah. consistent. It's with really. It. Honestly, yeah, November was when I first became consistent. So why what what made you decide to start it? Um, I just when I was a kid, even now, um, I always wanted there to be something online where I can listen to other people and relate to them and hear their experiences and be like, Yeah, I had that same experience and talk to them and just have a conversation. I think conversations are very important. And uh you can learn a lot about yourself actually you can learn a lot about yourself from from writing too <laughs> that's something else but yeah <laughs> conversing helps a lot and uh it's just something that i wanted uh something i always wished was online and nothing like it existed it's a very niche topic like nystagmus <laughs> there's not you know i've never met anybody with it before supposedly it's one in a thousand people who have it but i don't know who made that statistic i've never met these people is it as, so, as often as that? I, I haven't looked at the stats on that. That's what it'll say online is one in a thousand, but wow. I, I don't I don't know where they are. Maybe I haven't seen them because my vision's so poor. Maybe <laughs> they were right in front of me. You aren't <laughs> wearing a sign the, out there. <laughs> I've always been looking for the day to come across somebody in real life who has nystagmus. It's <laughs> just never happened. So I, I set out to meet them online and I was like, yeah, I should probably record this because people will find benefits to this. And that's what I've done. So how how are you finding your guests? I found my first batch of guests because I made a post on a, on a Nestagmus forum on Reddit. And so that's how I met my first batch of guests. And now they kind of just reach out to me via email, which my email is frankiecaputo at gmail.com. And they'll, they'll reach out to me. Um, how else do I... Facebook, Facebook has some great nystagmus groups on there, and people from Facebook have reached out to me as well. Nice. So, yes. So, yeah, because it it seems like you have a good variety of guests that have come on. I mean, from from all over the world that you're getting them in now. So it's just I, luck. Yeah. It's luck. It's nothing that I've done intentionally. Uh, it's you know just pure luck. But I'll take it. Well, I, I haven't yeah. been able to listen to all the episodes, but the ones that I have listened to have, have been fun to listen to. So you're, you're, you're doing a good job with it, I think. Thank you. And just hearing the conversations and, you know, you're, you're comparing with each other at times, but hearing the different stories, I, I, I like listening to stories anyway, but, um, and, 
you know, the the listeners that are coming into this, if they're coming in through search, they probably are in the same situation where they're they're looking to meet other people with nystagmus to find out more about it. So um, so the Dancing Ice podcast would be one that that we'll we'll definitely put in the show notes so that they can see where to go. And is is the Gmail the best way to reach you, or is there another? Do you use social media as well? Gmail is a good way to reach out to me. If you want to reach out to me on Instagram, I have an Instagram page for the podcast. It's just Dancing Eyes Podcast. Just type in Dancing Eyes Podcast, and that's me. Um, I also have a personal Instagram account. It's just Frankie Caputo twenty two. Reach out to me any way you'd like. You know, um, you got Instagram and Gmail. Yes. Okay. So we'll, we'll put that in the notes for this episode as well. So I have on the website of an episode resources page. And so it's listed by each episode. So if you're listening to this and you can't see the notes, go, go to the, the waterprairie.com website and you're just looking for the episode resources and go down to the one with, with Frankie and you'll see all, all the links that we're mentioning here. Great job on the website, by the way. It looks great. Thank you. It's it's a work in progress. We're um, my my biggest thing starting out was I couldn't figure out a logo. We, we had a hard enough time getting a name, much less going <laughs> going to a logo. <laughs> so um, so I I'll, I'll see how how long before I'm tired of the color scheme or whatever that I have, but, but it's it's getting there. <laughs> okay. But thank you. All right. So now it's everybody's favorite time, and it's time for the All speed right. round. <laughs> So for those who haven't listened before, or if you haven't heard this part yet, um, the speed round is a series of 10 questions. The first three are open-ended questions, and the last seven are either-or questions. They're easy questions, but they can be difficult if you overthink it. So the key here is just first first thing that comes to mind, go ahead and say it. And, um, and if you really have to, you can pass or say both, but try to guess if you can. <laughs> so do you have yeah. any questions? No, I believe you're the one with the questions. I, I have 10 of them right here. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. All right, what's, what's your favorite color? Purple. Oh, you just surprised me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> Magenta is something like indigo. I don't know. Yeah. One of those. What was Whatever the... one the crown chakra is. So. <laughs> what What was the la- last book that you read? Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, good one. And favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Okay. And the rest of these are either or. I'll give you either two words, two phrases, and you just choose which one is uh, the one you would choose. So starting out with cake or ice cream? Ice cream. Batman or Superman? Batman. Ocean or mountains? Mountains. Winter or summer? Winter. Watch a movie or read a book? Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Watch a movie. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Harry Potter. And Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. All right. You you fit some of the normal trends on this. Um, and the reason I said that the color threw me is because when we started out, you said something about red. <laughs> so I was waiting for you to say red. <laughs> hmm. What did I, I say that. about red? I don't even, I don't like red. I can't, I can't remember what it was, but. <laughs> I don't know. I have, to, I have to go back and listen to it. Maybe, maybe it was another color, but it, but it, it, it was, was not that's purple. A, that's hilarious. I was just talking to my mom today about what my favorite color was, and I couldn't figure out what it was called. I just know, like, if you know anything about chakras, it's the crown one, the one all the way at the top. So we have the, um, 
the information that we've given to everyone on how to contact you. So we'll make sure that we put that in the other. I appreciate you being on the the podcast today and telling us about what you're doing and just sharing some some more sensitive parts of your life with us for our parents to be able to hear. Uh, I appreciate you having me. I love what you're doing. This is great. Keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, that was an interesting interview. I'll have to check out the Dancing Eyes podcast and see what Frankie's doing over there. Next week, we have an interview with Hardin Engelhardt, the Vice President of Engagement at Marbles Kids Museum in Raleigh, North Carolina. We were able to catch up with her during a special sensory-friendly play event held at the museum last month. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Any resources mentioned during this episode will be posted in the description. If you're interested in joining us as a guest, contact us through the links in the description below. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for a new episode.